ready. Aim. Bullseye. This is Bullseye. Over the next hour, you'll hear from head football coach Alex Golish. We'll chat with a Bulls player. Sam Barrington catches up with a former member of the football team. And we'll step outside of football for an interview with a member of another South Florida sports team. Now, your Bullseye hosts, Kaylee Cottrell, VJ Daniels, and Derek Sharp. Welcome to episode five of Bullseye. I'm Derek Sharp, and yes, I'm wearing the same exact shirt and shoes <laughs> and sock combination that I have the last two shows. You know why? Consistent. Because they won the last two weeks. There we go. Ah, and I'm okay. looking to change. I mean, I'll change no, in between. Change. I'll change. Don't change. I'll change in between shows. I'll wear various outfits between now and next week. But another win to talk about. Let's yeah. speak with the person who was there. In Annapolis, yeah. very jealous that you were there. It was amazing. It truly was. It was my first game at Navy. I hadn't experienced that whole ordeal, and it was so special. I, I talked for my feature this week. I talked to Michael Kelly's dad, who's a retired wow. lieutenant, a yeah. Vietnam War veteran. and oh My goodness. Um, just to experience. You know, they talked about the history there, the traditions mm -hmm. there, and I was expecting it, but truly, when I got there, it so much took my breath away and I had had chills all day there's plaques there's memorials all around the stadium and I I really took the time and and read everything and wow. just appreciated everything and you know starting from Pearl Harbor into World War II and Iwo Jima and the Midway into the Cold War and Vietnam and it it wow. was it I can't tell you how many times I got chills that day and it just took my breath away. And I mean, when you're doing, going through all of that, it's almost like, okay, I have to focus on a football game next. Did it right. take a little bit? Did right. it take I mean, a little there's, bit? There's literally a wall on one of the end zones and it's lined with plaques like in memoriam, in tribute to, and then you look up and it's just the field and a football game being wow. played. And hmm. it's like, what? What a backdrop, what a, you know, it's, it's heavy, it's a lot, but it's so special. And there's such a, a sense of pride yeah. um, there. And it was, it was so amazing to experience. And then the actual game itself, you know, starting the way we did and coming back the way we did and the discipline that our guys showed and the, um, the resilience there, that yeah. was so special. And to have them feed off the hundreds yes. of fans. That, that was my next there. question, the fans. Oh my gosh, so I, I adore Byram's dad close with him. I, I met him last year and, you know, we chat every game now because he travels to every home game, oh, yeah. every away game. And I spotted him before the game. So I went up into the stands and chatted for a few minutes. And we were talking about how many people were there. Byram had 79 people there. Wow. to support him. I was like, okay, half of them are you. <laughs> First of all, I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of you saying 79 instead of 80 because, you know, like, let's get specific with right. it. I yep. like that. Yep. But but it, it it probably helped the Bulls out. I know we're going to talk yeah. to Alex Golish and yeah, probably Jalen Shular, I guess, about it. But Yeah, they had the chants going, the cheers going, the, the energy. You could really feel it. They were yelling, they were screaming, and it was pretty cool to see that much support travel for our guys and, and really show up and have a ball with them. And you got, you got yeah. to watch it. BJ uh, back at home along with me and uh, she talked about you know, the, the tough start. It's to the point now where this team can get knocked down and you feel like, okay, maybe naturally there's a little bit of, uh, oh man, how's this going to go? But with this offense and defense, two pretty important aspects of football, you still have confidence, right? Yeah, you can make up a lot of ground. Um, it's, it's really cool um, to see you know, Navy give, give their best shot. They're on a, a road game. Um, you know, they got South Florida, who hasn't played on the road well in the conference historically. Um, you know, and, and they threw a punch. We took it, and then we, we, we battled back on all three phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. So, you know, for all three to kind of be uh, successful and to score touchdowns and to contribute uh, to making up for, you know, the start, uh, that was really good to see. And we talked about having, you know, hundreds of fans there on a road game. You, you remember playing? I mean, it, 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 you can't expect like six, 7,000 fans to travel. Do you happen to recall? I'm guessing in Tallahassee it sounded like there was a big Bulls contingent. But A, maybe the, the best support you had on the road. And B, you know, how that helps. Yeah, um, probably the best support was Florida State in mm -hmm. 2009. And, um, you know, from a player's perspective and standpoint, it's amazing to be in a away arena. Um, where no one is supposed to historically like you, uh, but then you look up and you see a sea of green. Um, you know, that's definitely is a motivating factor. Um, you know, it's really cool when you get on the road. I used to go enjoy going on the road to hear how quiet the crowd was after we scored a touchdown. Uh, you know, but it's really exciting to hear how, how quiet the home crowd is, but then you look in this corner and you got a sea of green just rooting you on. 
Uh, one of the things that's funny you mentioned the noise. Uh, I do the radio broadcasts when we're on the road. We're mm -hmm. myself and Jim Lighthall host the studio part. We're actually in a studio in Amelie Arena, and so we get to hear the call of Jim Lauk and Sam Barrington about 10 seconds before everybody sees it. We hear it right when it happens, mm -hmm. and usually when you're listening to the call and not seeing it, you can tell what's going to happen with the crowd. <laughs> there were about seven plays where it's like, oh, that's a good play for Navy by the crowd reaction. And it was our play, so it, 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 that's how <laughs> noticeable yeah. they were. Yeah. One other thing that was noticeable, and Jim Lauk wouldn't stop talking about it, and I'm jealous, and you were there, so I'm jealous, was it, it seems like it was the first batch of football weather that we've had. Yeah. It, uh, explain. Yeah, I mean, I, I broke out long sleeves for the first time <laughs> this season. Uh, the sun came out a little bit after three, right around kickoff, so it did get, it felt nice, and then once the, the sun started to set a little bit, kind of brought the sleeves down a little bit more, <laughs> but yep. it's a good change. Yeah, definitely jealous, so I gotta ask what your, what your definition of football weather is. It seems like some people's definition, oh and I'm gonna ask a guy who played football in a second here, uh, of football weather is it's gotta be 50 or below. To me, that is, you know, turn on the heater weather. It's not football <laughs> yeah, weather. Yeah, I'm the same. Okay, the, so yeah. you're the same. What about you, BJ Daniels? Uh, well, I'm a hot nature person, so yeah. I get hot very easily. Uh, so oh. football weather for me is probably 50, 60. Uh, you know, I, I still wouldn't even break out the sleeves, you know, cause I'd still, you know, be uh, fuming with, with, uh, with sweat. But um, at the end of the day, uh, the fans will always feel differently than what the players do, um, you know, but I, I'm definitely not a cold weather guy. So uh, anything below that, I'm cold. So can you recall your, your worst experience when it came to the cold side of things, NFL? Uh, I have to go to my only snow game ever. Denver, uh, it's got to be Denver, U right? USF versus UConn. Oh, actually. my goodness. Yeah, that's yeah, right. my freshman year. Oh, my yeah. gosh. So that's the only snow game I've ever played in. Um, and I was cold. I was really cold. <laughs> <laughs> no fun. No fun. Well, we had fun watching the guys, and we are going to talk to the head coach, Alex Gullish, a little bit about it. We're also going to talk to Jalen Schuler, a big part of the defense. Erica Brennan is our non-football guest this week. She is the head coach of women's golf, which is into its 50th season of existence, started it off with a victory. She is one of our favorite people to talk to. So that's all coming up on this episode of Bullseye. Don't go anywhere. Brown to throw, has time, steps into it, fires, it's Atkins, he makes the catch, and there is nobody in front of Sean Atkins. How about 88 yards for a score? Touchdown, South Florida. Bulls have scored 20 unanswered, and they lead Navy here in the second quarter. You found the all-new South Florida Coaches Show on the radio, Bullseye with the head coach Alex Dolis, Derek Sharp here with BJ Daniels talking about another win, first one on the road for the squad and so much to like about what happened. And again, overcoming stuff, in this case, the, the start, but uh, the fight back, the immediate fight back, which we're big fans of. And speaking of fans, it was an awesome turnout. I know you mentioned it on your post-game comments, but it was several hundred. And, and, and speak, let's start with there and get into the action. Yeah, you know, um, I felt like some real juice right behind yeah. our bench, you know, and, um, and we were on defense down at that end, and you could hear it, you could feel it. it there was a, the fourth and one stop with the fumble was right down there at that end, and I, I was, like, shocked. I guess I never look up to really pay attention, but I look back, I'm like, wow, there's, like, a crazy cool contingency here of certainly a bunch of parents and families, but I know the tailgate had 350 or 360 people there, um, and... Um, I, I was really, really impressed they were into it um, and certainly got to witness a really good football game. Um, in terms of the game, like you said, you know, two really, really bad deals at the beginning with the, with the uh, uh, drop punt, which resulted in seven points, and then going for it on fourth and one and not getting it, which resulted in seven <laughs> points. And so you go down 14 nothing and... I know it sounds a little bit like coach talk, but I just kind of stood back and, and wanted to see what the heck our guys were going to do. And when I tell you there wasn't a single guy that flinched, wasn't a single guy with bad body language, every single person on that trip, uh, we traveled 84 guys and 78 dressed out. Every single guy was like, what's up? What's next? What's up? <laughs> nice. Which, you know, you can look at it as a turning point in our program. I feel like every week, there's been moments of of growth, moments of turning points, moments of resiliency on all three sides of the ball, but that was probably the first time where I felt 
we're, we're either going to pass this test and skyrocket or we're going to fail this test and going to have to go back and evaluate where we are. And when I tell you those young guys passed the test and really not just passed the test, but continued to get more and more energized as the test got harder. And, um, you know, really you look at the end of the game and we got the ball back with what close to eight minutes and the entire challenge was defensive guys get off the bench let's let's get this thing going offense we're going to keep this ball here and methodically put this together um in a 14 point game where you really didn't want to give the ball back in any imaginable way and what we do on offense that's sometimes hard to do right. to go uh to go eight minutes um and when i tell you they they strained and and about as hard as you can and there was some and i showed the guys on monday uh, a majority of that drive and not to commend anybody individually but just to one show what the sideline looked like mm. because the entire wow. team was standing there mm. coach orlando is is coaching up the old line to strain harder like <laughs> it was some really cool stuff that was going on uh, like literally coach orlando standing next to coach hoodie you know telling these guys to strain it was, it was an ultimate team deal at the very end to go run out the time and when you when you can see another team say you know what we're good we get it and and i respect the heck out of that team and, and coach newberry and, and what what they're trying to build but i was really proud of our guys that that they held on to it and made it happen and it wasn't pretty you, you know you talk about three turnovers uh generally that doesn't result in winning but found a way and scored nine points on defense, which was absolutely huge. Had some huge fourth down stops defensively, um, had some critical three and outs. And I think as you look at the game, and I'm getting long-winded here, That's but right. as you look at it, you're down 14 nothing, and the next three off, or the next three of four offensive drives, you go score touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. The next three of four defensive drives, you go three and out, three and out, five and out, and touchdown that and you've got a two-point conversion flip the other way. Like, that's response on both sides of the ball. That's resiliency. And it does, that doesn't mean we're going to do the same thing again next week. It just means last week um, our process was right enough to go execute at a high clip when we had to. Coach, um, you know, you scored on all three phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. Um, can you kind of talk about, uh, you know, what it takes each week to prepare for each team and then what you guys saw specifically uh, against the Navy uh, that you guys can take advantage of on the field goal block, uh, number one. Number two, uh, I don't think they get that fourth down regardless of the fumble or not, um, you know, when our defensive end returned for a touchdown. And then obviously offensively, it's, it's explosive um, and everyone's touching the football. Yeah, um, I, I think the biggest key to, to being able to sustain success throughout a, a year is to reset. Mm -hmm. Like, clean it, coach it on Monday morning, and then literally keep moving. Um, and build on what's what's going well. A good example would be our, our pass game, right? Like, like really touch and go, really touch and go, really touch and go. And then against Rice, that was the first time they felt it. Like, man, I, like, like when we're playing fast and our guys are feeling it and the quarterback is protected, like this is like really fun. Right. Situations like that or games like that provide confidence to keep moving forward and continue to build. But I think the key to the whole thing is to be able to reset. I think, I think really, really elite football teams are able to reset and say, man, we're back to square one. What's it actually gonna take? Um, I think average teams keep talking about what happened, good or bad, right. and can't ever just flip the page and reset. So I continue to challenge one, our coaches to reset and therefore then challenge your players to reset and understand that last week means nothing for this week and um, and really handle every single phase individually, really handle every single phase with elite game planning. And then, you know, I, we have it written up in our offensive staff room, but like an elite plan executed poorly is a bad plan. And it's not so much can we draw up as these really, really great ideas. It's what, what can our kids learn and what can our kids execute at a high clip? And so that's the constant challenge. Don't overthink ourselves. Empower the young guys to, to learn and be able to execute. And as long as they can execute, 
a really good plan, then it's a really good plan. Uh, you mentioned the word execute a couple of times, and I don't want to propose, actually I am proposing maybe another quote that can go up on one of your boards, because I don't know if you heard Byron <laughs> Brown say it, and it was just the way he delivered it. He's saying, yeah, we just had to do this, and we just need to go back and execute, and then he said, and executing is fun. <laughs> so I'm thinking maybe executing is fun, quote unquote, Byron Brown, and of course we got to talk about him, but speaking of executing, one thing that um, that stood out to me was the penalties. And not just the fact that you won the penalty battle with Navy, only committing one. Uh, I know you guys have refs at practice, but whatever you did, it worked. And secondly, one of their eight penalties, which got picked up at the end of the first half, and your reaction to it, I, it just showed me how much you fight for your team. It showed me that if, if I was ever in legal trouble, knock wood, I'm not, that I want you <laughs> fighting for me. But uh, and also that shows you that you know how important the end of the first half is. You actually had to, had to overcome that. So uh, the penalty situation, I thought, was a, a big deal. Yeah, uh, that was a hot topic question last week. Um, <laughs> I think probably because of the differential in our penalty situation through the first four and, and certainly Navy's through the first three. You know, I, I, I don't know that that you drill at home. We do have refs at every practice. We we track penalties throughout practice okay we certainly coach the heck out of it um i think it, it's it's a matter of playing clean meaning from a technique standpoint that's what generally covers up the penalties you're always going to have playing penalties so i don't i don't necessarily drill, drill home holdings or even like pass interference at times like you don't want guys to not be aggressive right. that's the one thing that that i think it, from a media standpoint it gets it gets drilled up you're like you, you want me to tell tell the old lineman if if that guy runs through he, the quarterback is getting hit and all i've told him every minute of every day is he better protect, protect the quarterback. Guy. <laughs> so some penalties are aggressive playing penalties it's the dumb penalties you got to cut out, and dumb, there's no other word to describe them other than dumb penalties. It's the celebrations, it's the late hits, it's the it's the hits out of bounds or the erratic hits, and that's just it. Like like, and we've had a bunch of those now, yeah. like which I take full responsibility for, and we have addressed them in every imaginable way. But playing penalties happen; they just happen to not happen in this one, and. To be honest with you, a lot of the credit goes, like offensively, a lot of the credit goes to the fact that the quarterback is getting more comfortable in the back, so there's less scrambling around and therefore less holding calls. Sure. Um, we're playing with better technique up front, so there's less holding calls. We're getting better at perimeter blocking, so there's less holding calls. We are operating better offensively, so there's less false starts. And then you flip it to the defensive side of the ball, we're operating better on the D-line in terms of getting off on the football. So there's less of that. Uh, the, they only threw the ball, I, I can't tell you an exact number, but very few. So less down the field things that could have happened. So it, there's a lot that went into it, but we are playing cleaner football. We're playing smarter football. Uh, again, the only thing that matters for this coming week is that we do it again. Mm. And so um, the ball's going to be in the air a lot more. Right. There's going to be a lot more moving around at the quarterback. So you may inevitably get a couple more penalties. But to be honest with you, I don't lose sleep over it. Offensively, last week we talked a lot about one guy, Naeem Simmons. So how important was it to see four receivers go for 40-plus and one of them was yeah. not named Naeem Simmons? I mean, the offense, Byram can throw to anybody, it looks like at this point. Yeah. You know, uh, it's such a matchup-based offense. Um, and obviously, Naeem got a lot of attention. What, what I've been really proud of with that group and, and LD, Coach LD said it after the game, those guys are starting to be really, really, really close and in terms of that receiver unit. And what I think I'm so proud of is how happy they are for each other. The, the long touchdown, the 88-yard touchdown for Sean Atkins, if you really look at it, Choffrey Brown ran a, a comeback on the other side and he almost beat him down there to go celebrate with wow. him. And Chaffrey is a young man that, that has had some really bright spots this season and has had some tough moments this season. But to see how happy Chaffrey is for Sean, that's how, that's how, at least for me internally, I know we're getting better and we're, we're continuing to grow in terms of the trust within our program because just as happy as Sean is, Chaffrey's just as happy for him. And also, Sean didn't get a celebration penalty, so that's cool. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I think that's what makes it fun to be a skill guy in our offense, that at any point, 
um, anybody can go off, which is it, it makes it easier to keep a receiver room happy, as you would know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you talk about the celebrations, right? Uh, you know, I saw a couple of them that look routine. Uh, you know, so what makes these guys close and uh, put dance routines or just be happy for each other? Like, what is that something you guys work on? Do you guys spend time outside of the film room? Um, I noticed uh, Sunday you had a bunch of food trucks out here and guys had an opportunity to kind of fellowship and, you know, possibly recap and talk about the game that they just experienced and won. Yeah, I, I think we've done a lot to try to bring guys together. Sunday food trucks are are a tradition that, that we started, and I think the guys love it. I love food trucks. Mm -hmm. um, and so it is. It's certainly time for them to come together, talk ball, get treatment, um, and and kind of recap it. But I think what, what LD has done with that room in terms of bringing those guys together, forcing them to learn and grow in terms of what it's like to be a pro and LD played for a long time mm -hmm. he knows what it takes and trying to bring that pro mindset in terms of how you work right. to a room but at the same time I think it's just a selfless group of guys that that genuinely feel like they've struggled a long time to get to this point right. and they've each got some really cool stories uh, and I think they they gelled well because they truly appreciate what the others have gone through. Mm -hmm. And um, so I give L LD a lot of credit, Jack Taylor, who's who's with LD and in that group. And I give Sean Atkins a lot of credit. He's really taken that room um, by by the horns and and really has started to become a really solid leader. He's not a vocal guy, never has been. LD has challenged them. I've challenged him and have told him, like, you work hard enough to lead. Right. You, th These guys will follow you because they respect who you are, yeah. how you work. Kid was a walk-on that was working at Meat Market when I got here, you know? Like, like he's earned everybody's respect. So <clears throat> he's now taken a leadership role and it's been fascinating to watch that room grow. It's funny because Sean was my server at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, meat market's a great spot. Great spot. Yeah. <laughs> As we wrap it up, and uh, a lot of the beginning of the season we talked about was getting the guys to you know, believe, or B-U-L-L-I-E-V-E -E, as you have the big sign here. I don't think I even have to ask you, now that it, it's clear to me anyway that they have that belief, and I guess the focus is to... You mentioned reset and just look to the next thing. So it doesn't sound like that's going to be a problem looking forward to a game where more attention is getting put on the, the program this week. Yeah, um, I, I told the staff and I certainly told our guys yesterday and, and again after practice, like the, the biggest challenge is to be able to reset but to continue to perfect your process. I think okay. certainly easier when you have success, right. but it's also easy to get complacent and it's also easy to say we're good we've we've made it we've arrived in any imaginable way us as coaches the players the challenge is to tighten up and uh, you, you know it's like it's like you you go around a house and you can just walk by problems or you can tighten screws up you walk by a problem or you could fix a little patch in the in the wall and i think if you're complacent you're just going to walk by and be like we're good or you could go grab grab the screwdriver and tighten up some screws and mm. go grab a paintbrush and tighten and and fix fix the little holes like that's the challenge is is to understand where we are but where we got to get is a whole nother level and there's so much left out there um, and I think our guys are very vigilant of that but I also think that us as coaches and the older guys in the program have to continue to force work, force change, force a drive to come in and study more and continue to perfect your process. Because you watch the film and boy, we are far from perfect. Mm -hmm. And the standard in a program is to chase perfection in everything we're doing. And so the second we stop, and, and I told these guys very bluntly, like the second you stop and you take a breath, you're gonna get punched in the face. And, uh, and I mean that wholeheartedly, I think in football, certainly in life. So that's the challenge. We as coaches gotta keep driving that. Awesome job. That's Alex Golish sitting in his chair in just a few minutes. will be one of the guys that was on the field for every defensive snap. Jalen Schuler, part of the big defensive effort, and hoping for another one this week in Birmingham and hoping for another very glorious food truck Sunday. <laughs> Bullseye continues. Navy for the extra point, trying to tie things up here. High snap, it's fumbled, picked up by South Florida. Jalen Schuler, and he's going to take it all the way 
two points. It's 23 to 20. Back to Bullseye. Derek Sharp and Kaylee Gatrell back with Jalen Schuler. It's funny, we see Jalen Stokes in the background spelled differently. The Jalen and Jalen show in effect. We hear a lot of noise in the background. I'm telling you, you can already, before we get into what, what happened last week and what's going on this season, this vibe, there's a little more noise. It's a good thing, right? Uh, yeah, you know, um, game by game, we're just gaining our confidence more and more, um, which is a good thing, of course, but at the same time, trying to, you know, keep our heads level and go to work every day. But yeah, it's, it's getting a little more fun around here by the day. We feed off each other and vibe off that energy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, both sides of the ball, too. Like, uh, you know, we see somebody who, hasn't been making plays or, you know, hasn't made any plays they won't um, make a play at practice or even in the game, you know, it just builds the individual confidence for them and then the confidence as a collective fight. We can trust them. Right? And it's just good to keep feeding off each other. You mentioned both sides of the ball. It's something that has been brought up by your head coach over the last couple of shows, and that is specifically when something goes wrong on one side, the other side is right there to pick him up. The interception against Alabama, he said what really got to his heart was how you guys went out mm -hmm. and said to Byron, we got you, and, and sometimes it goes the other way. Speak about that part of the team coming together. Oh, uh, well, um, you know, we just know nothing's going to be perfect, you know, on either side of the ball. Nobody's going to have a perfect game, but as long as we stay together and, um, you know, not fall apart and not bicker at each other and mm. um, let them know that we still trust you, even after a, a strip sack or interception or we get scored on and the offense telling us, all right, we're going to go get it right back. Just hearing little stuff like that after not having the most successful drive that you can keeps yourself confident and um, lets you just have a good feeling in your heart knowing your teammates still trust you, your coach still trust you. Love it. You talk about that discipline, this Navy game, you know, to start the game the way that it did and for you guys to come back the way that you guys did. Talk about the resilience that this team showed. Uh, we, ju we just didn't flinch, and um, <laughs> Coach Creamer said that a lot about special teams, you know, don't flinch, but, um, <laughs> you know, expectedly we want to come out and, you know, hit everybody, hit everybody we play first in the mouth, but, you know, stuff didn't go our way early, but, um, yeah, we just didn't flinch, and we knew our process was, you know, in the, in the right spot to make the right place. We needed to, we just kind of figured stuff out, because they did a little stuff different than what they did, you know, they came off a of bye week, <laughs> so, um, yeah, they had a lot of time to prepare for us and all, but everybody just settled down, and, um, you know, just did what we knew we had to do. So they had a lot of time to prep for you, and you didn't have as much time to prep. You had normal time to prep for an offense that's not normal. Uh, how, how condensed did, like, film sessions seem, and how did you guys accept it? Because it seems like you guys did a pretty good job. Honestly, I think, um, I don't think we had one film session that ended at the time I was supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> like, we, we went over every, every day. Uh, we did extra every day, like, either individually as, like, a group of players or, like, you know, with the coaching and stuff. Um, we, Coach T.O. beat it down in practice. Like, every every day we're going to start practice doing this, you know, and practice doing this. Like, to make sure that we knew exactly, you know, what we thought we was going to come out and see. But, like I said, they did a little stuff. They did stuff a little different. But after after the, you know, first two, three drives where they got all the tricks and gadgets out, then it was pretty much just back to what we knew and then, you know. Well, you mentioned T.O. Obviously, the uh, defensive coordinator, Todd Orlando, has brought such energy to you guys. And he, he's always talked in confident tones about the defense. Does that sort of permeate through you guys? Do you feel that? And does it uplift your spirits? Because you guys are rocking right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. It's just something about his, uh, you know, um, attitude and, you know, posture, how he carry himself and, you know, this, this broad chest, you know, this we're going to punch you in the mouth, like kind of bully attitude. So, uh, yeah, as a um, defensive unit, you know, that's what we want to put on film. Like, we're going to come out there, we're going to bully, we're going to hit you in your mouth, we're going we're gonna to pop our stuff, you know, we're going to be confident, we're going to have fun. And uh, it's kind of getting adopted into the offensive, too. You'll hear Coach Goldish say some stuff, T.O. say, you know, we're going to hit him with a batter. You know, it's just, it's just getting adopted throughout the whole team. I can feel it. I know yeah. exactly what you're yeah. talking about. Like the, it's swagger, good. the swagger that T.O. carry with himself is just getting adopted the whole team. I, like, um, I used to joke around early and say, you know, I think uh, both sides need a T.O. actually, right? But um, like I said, Coach Goldish adopting it in and the offense adopting it in and we all just walking with our chest out and just kind of feeling a little unstoppable. But That's like I said, stuff. at the same time, just keeping our heads down and knowing we got to go to work. Nice. What are some of those characteristics that Coach Orlando instills in you guys? Uh, confidence is the first one for sure. No matter what you're doing, what we're doing, we're out there. We got to be confident. Um, Communi communicating, over communicating. Uh, he wants us to be out there, you know, talking to each other just in case, you know, if there's anything that we are unsure of, then as long as we communicate, as long as we all on the same page, it'll be all right. And then just really just flying around and having fun. Like, it's, it's just football, you know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, it's just a sport. We go on to play, have fun. So fly around, have fun, be confident, you know what I'm saying? And like I said, that swagger, when you, when you do make a play, he wants you to, you know, get up and he called them wolf tickets. He said, hand out the wolf tickets. So. <laughs>
I love that. <laughs> I want me a wolf ticket, but I don't fly around like you. I'm looking at the IPF here, and it seems like you could cover the sidelines pretty well. That's one of the things you say fly around specifically that you do well. Have you always kind of had that sideline to sideline mentality? Uh, well, you know, I'm pretty long dude, so you know, long legs. I can get across the field when I need to. But um, yeah, I try to um, base my game on being able to cover a lot of area really quickly. So um, yeah, that's, that's about how I've been playing. But also sometimes you have to cover a long distance. Like for example, let me think of something. Oh yeah, when the other team has a bad snap on a point after. That was an important play because it looked like it was going to be maybe a tie mm -hmm. game at halftime. Mm -hmm. And as people know, a snap went awry. Take us through what happened next, because I'm in a, back in a studio in Tampa going, two points, two points, without knowing what was going to happen. Right. Did you know right away that was what, what was at stake? Uh, well, honestly, I probably had, out of everybody on the defense, the smallest chance of picking up the ball, because everybody's on the line, and I'm back five yards, five, six yards off the ball. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I just seen it go over his head and just kind of just took off and, AB and uh, Brax in the corners off the edge. They both cracked down on the um, on the kicker, I believe, was the closest man to it. And then just free ball, I got it. Had to get around the long snapper. And then it was just, I was looking at myself in the jumbo trying actually while I was running, just to make sure nobody else was around. It was, it was fun. Uh, Jalen Stokes came up. He was running with me, running beside me. We was both handing out wolf tickets to the crowd. <laughs> you know. That was. I, yeah. I like to amend my statement of saying sideline to sideline. Now it's goal line to goal line. But you do, you did know that you know you had to score it's not like you yes. get down to the one yard yes. line and the offense take it in did you have to look at it afterwards and say hey guys maybe next time don't try and trip me as we're going into the end zone nah. or were you always going to stay on your feet no nah, I, I was good I'm, i think i'm a pretty athletic dude it was, it was gonna be all right okay speaking of being on your feet uh first plane ride home with alex Golish. You know, it was after a loss. Mm -hmm. This situation, before we get to the plane ride, uh, the locker room celebration on the road, it, it kind of probably hits a little bit different. First um, of all, um, my fault. No, no, you're good. I want you to tell us about it. Um, he he was shown on video dancing, and I think he did okay. <laughs> but who's the actual best dancer on the coaching staff and on the team? And just sort of take us through that celebration. On the coaching staff, I'm not sure. Tio has some pretty. Huh? outdated dance moves. <laughs> you know, he'll be over here doing the little... <laughs> Come on, man. We're going to um, mow some lawn. Yeah, but I, I like... It's funny to watch T.O. dance. I say T.O. or probably A.G. A.G. just kind of get in there and just, you know, be vibing around with the rest of us, seeing, seeing what we're doing, feeding off us. Well, I bet one thing that really helped was the energy that the fans who traveled brought you guys. Were you feeding off of that at all? Because there were hundreds. Yeah, there. I was. I was. I was lucky impressed, like, because you know, Navy doesn't have the biggest stadium, but it's a nice stadium, and like, you know, when it's a good amount of people in there, like, it's it's a nice environment for football. And um, yeah, we came out and seen all the USF fans. It was, um, I believe they were back behind us, um, and off to like the left a little bit, off to the left. It was it was really good. It was really nice to see that, and um. They were they were being energetic, you know. They were bringing us um, good juice and energy. I was that was really appreciative. Like, I, I owe everybody one question about your junior college Coffeeville, so I'll just uh, go off of that. What was the most that Coffeeville fans traveled? Not as many, not 500. I heard there might have been maybe five. football team, yeah, and staff. Okay, All right. That's about the most. So this felt a little bit different, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This now, is a good. This is. I would check this off as a great showing for away game for sure. Now back to the plane ride home. Um, normally on a plane ride, you know, maybe I'm thinking about catching some sleep. I'm not even one that watches a movie. No, I sleep, but there was probably not much sleeping on that plane ride, huh? Me personally, I was exhausted. Okay. Um, <laughs> I played every snap of defense last game, wow. which is which is okay. You know, I don't I don't mind. I'm just doing whatever the team needs me to. But yeah, personally, I was exhausted. Um, the bus, on the other hand, the bus is to the plane. Ah. Man, I can go sleep if I try. <laughs> can't hear myself think on that thing. Um, nah, it was it was all good. I'm not, I'm real happy that you know a lot of people that have been here. You know, like the older guys, like Donald yes. Bino and them. It's the first time they ever won a conference away game. That's right. And for a lot of them, a conference game, uh, Rice was the first time, you know, they won a conference game in general. So, like I said, I'm just I'm just happy that they get the experience that at least, you know, before before they leave. Or, you know. Outstanding. And i got to ask you, people that are watching this on the video meeting, I mean, your hair is fantastic. You've got, you've got the one braid. Is there a meaning to that uh, little end right there that people can uh, see? Shoulder? Nah, you got to put it in there. Somebody put it in there in high school when my hair was, like, this long. So it was literally, like, just this long with it was this. He's pointing to the middle of his forehead. But, um, but yeah, um, the rest of my hair grew out over time. And I just, 
I don't know, say I just never took it out, but you know, I just was like, all right, well, it's there now. It works, it works. Everything it you're doing is working. You just mentioned mm -hmm. playing every snap on defense. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by. You don't look tired at all, but get some rest for this week's game. Jalen Shuler, really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Bullseye. This is former USF linebacker Sam Barrington, and this is our segment where we highlight a former USF Bull, and today we have Mr. Utility Guy himself, Evan Landy. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad, Sam, man. Good, good to talk to you guys, and thanks for having me. Good. All right. So we know who you are. We know how special you are, but just remind Bulls fans, graduation year, position, and I guess just a highlight of your career here at USF. Okay, yeah, um, came with the class of 08, ended up graduating in 2012, redshirted my first year, um, played obviously toward the tail end of Coach Levitt, and then with Skip Holtz for the last um, two years of my career. Uh, went as a quarterback, like you mentioned, the utility thing, kind of just the way <laughs> Just the way stuff unfolds and um, just need team knees and all that stuff. And luckily I had the ability to do it, but moved to receiver, then to H back. Um, our first, I mean, you were obviously there for him, but first couple of years, some really big wins, bowl wins. Um, you know, unfortunately we had our, our issues our last couple of years. Um, but yeah, man, I just remember my career, just my stint there, just so many good athletes we were around. Our senior class was you know, on paper was amazing, man. So, um, yeah, just got a chance to play multiple positions, you know, get my education and uh, finished up, like I said, 2012. And, uh, yeah, I had a, no complaints, man. I had an awesome career personally and around everybody else. Now, I use the term utility mainly because you were a very versatile guy. It's not many guys who can throw the ball, catch the ball, block, run the ball, but you were one of those guys who could do literally everything. Obviously, you see the way the game has grown. You're seeing guys naturally come into the game as freshmen, a little more athletic than we were back in the day. But I want to know what contributed to your ability to be versatile on the field. Um, I think for me, honestly, man, it was more um, – I kind of wasn't really ever the biggest, fastest, and strongest on my position. But for me, man, I think it was just like being a student of the game. Yeah. Um, and I think that started with I was a quarterback. Um, so, and again, you were the quarterback of the defense, so to speak, is you have to know what all other 10 guys are doing, you know, where they're supposed to be, whether they're supposed to be there, how they're supposed to get there. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was just knowing every position I could, and then luckily had the athletic ability to, you know, step in, you know, put on the weight for the tight end or, you know, you know, try to get a little faster for the receiver position. Uh, but for me, it was just the knowledge of the game and knowing my playbook. So for you, it was never a physical thing. It was always a mindset thing. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I would say, like I said, there were certain workout adjustments I had to make or, you know, even diet adjustments for the physical side. But for me, it, it was mental. Um, <clears throat> like I said, luckily, I had that perspective of what the QB saw. Um, and then when I went to receiver, there was stuff that I noticed. So I was like, all right, I did this at quarterback. I should know what they're thinking and it was good to me communicate with you know bj or you know growthy back today bobby evil back in the day and then when i was at quarterback i was like oh okay like that receiver probably maybe didn't get to that deep ball because he just ran five deep balls before that but you don't yeah. think of that because you're not as gassed when you're throwing as compared to running so there was definitely positives on both sides where i could relate um yeah for me it's more of a mental than a physical thing sure well, obviously, in my opinion, you're a quarterback at heart because you know the game so well. What do you think about this freshman phenom that USF has in Byron Brown? Um, honestly, when I first got a chance to watch him last year, even the situation he kind of came into towards the end of the season, for me, it was like, the you know, they use the word moxie or poise. Like you said, I think incoming freshmen might be built a little different than we were. Yeah. Um, I'll be dead honest. I couldn't have played as a true freshman. Um, I know, you know, you did, did very well. We had some other athletes around us that didn't former teammates, but I personally could not have done it. So just to have, he has that pocket presence. He, you could tell he has a little meaner leadership mannerisms, which is not easy yeah. for an incoming freshman to do yeah. with, you know, maybe some veteran guys at skill positions or at your offensive line for me right away. Cause again, if he's playing that level, you know, he can spin it, you know, he can throw it. Um, obviously super athletic with that straightaway speed and getting out of the pocket. For me, it was just the way he carried himself. I'm like, man, this is a true freshman who came in late in a season, probably didn't think he was going to play, and yeah. is sitting there in the pocket kind of chilling for, for a handful when, you know, stuff might have been breaking down for him. So for me, 
it was just that poison, that moxie, which I think usually comes with a little more time, but I feel like he had it and he's starting to show it this year as well. Yeah, it's so much conversation that happens, right, about players' mindset during the time of their playing days and then, you know, the type of person they become after they're finished with the game. I always knew you to be a very responsible guy. I always knew you to be a very helpful guy. Tell the fans how you're helping our community 10 years removed from college. Yeah, so uh, I currently now, next month will be six years. Uh, I'm a Navy fire uh, fire rescue, paramedic and firefighter. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, that kind of, it wasn't, I'll never forget, it was Ashley Chaffin was my academic advisor. And mm -hmm. she always had a little list of backup plans, right? Because whether, you know, someone like yourself played the next level for a handful of years, some of us didn't have the chance or had the opportunity, but your career is going to end at some point. So to have those backups and the education and stuff, and honestly, I had a list and it was like fourth on my list. I'm not even sure how it got there. Yeah. Um, I'm glad it was there. I'm glad that Ashley had made that list for me and some of the realities of life after I know football and sports. Um, but man, I love what I do. I'm really fortunate. Um, luckily, the physical part of it came pretty natural. And then you just go to, you do some schooling, some medical schooling and stuff like that. Um, but again, man, I really, really enjoy what I do. That's amazing. My last question for you is there's a lot of excitement around USF football right now, primarily because they're on a small win streak. What do you think about this current team and how excited are you for them to uh, go into the game this weekend? Uh, I mean, again, we've luckily have been there. Just when that, when that feel kind of changes in a locker room, yeah. And you could turn a corner maybe. And again, unfortunately, the years that we've had, and like I said, we struggled the last couple years of us. It you kind of get that feeling when you're losing like that. It's like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. And you start to lose close games. And now the last couple games, and again, the way they compete against them, you have that thought where now they know what it feels like to turn that corner or not lose that two score, one score game in the fourth quarter, right? Or put yeah. a team away like last week in Navy. Um Oh, it's got to be an awesome environment they're going into. I'm, I'm excited too. Like you're getting your former player. Um, we all we're all watching, and it is just cool to see and see them having fun. Like there's a point where you never, no one wants to lose, right? And then when that becomes sometimes where it, the the culture, for lack of a better term, I just it's not as fun. So to see them getting excited now, the fan base, and you know I'm guilty of it as an alumni. You know, just some I wouldn't tune in or I wouldn't make it a point to watch the games. And it does affect it. Now I'm like, all right, the boys are playing. Um, they're having fun. And now I know there's other stuff alumni going on to where I'm like, all right, I have no excuse anymore. And that is on me that to become a better alumni, be a little more in tune with things going on. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, what, three, three wins? I mean, that is, that's awesome. They're stringing them together. And uh, hopefully they can keep it going. One game at a time, I know. But it's cool to look ahead to see what they might be able to do with their remaining schedule. That's a great perspective. We're asking for a better team, and it's very responsible of you, like always, to ask to be a better alumni. So I think that's a message everybody can take for themselves. Evan, we greatly appreciate you joining us. Thank you for what we're doing. In the community. Thank you for what you're doing uh, for our communities near and far, and we look forward to seeing you at a game this year. Cool. Thank you. Likewise, guys. Thanks for having me again. Bullseye continues. Erica Bennett, thanks for being our guest. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited for this. This is year 50 of women's golf at South Florida. And year 49 was a pretty good one for you. We're going to get to know Erica a little bit, but let's just pick up where the golf program picked up this season, making it to the NCAA tournament for the first time in, in more than a decade. That experience and the desire to, I'm sure, even go further this year. Yeah, it was an incredible year last year, and that team really leaned into the culture and the intangibles and said, we're going to get it done. There is no more waiting. There is no more wanting. This will be the year that we execute. And so um, we got in and that day at that celebration when the, the selection show, it was such a magical moment for those girls. You could see it in their reactions, how much it meant to them. And what I love is it wasn't a moral victory. At no point did they say we made it, yay, game over. Um, really nationals is what was on our brain. And what was really cool is we were still inside the number to go to nationals with only nine holes left in the final round. We didn't get it done and it could have left us bitter. And instead of leaving any of us bitter, um, there was such a fire in our bellies and, and such a, a hunger for wanting to do more. So what came out of that final team meeting last year 
is really what has set us up for the type of season that we're off to this year. So the year before that, Melanie Green, heretofore known as MG, uh, made it as an individual, and then she got to enjoy it with the team. For those that are familiar with the NCAA basketball the selection show, it's not quite the same in golf, although it, there are some similarities. You have automatic bids, and, and the bubble is more concrete. It's mathematical. And the Bulls, who are trying to avoid this situation and are doing a really good job of it so far, were right on the bubble. Explain to people like the spreadsheet angle of this and why yeah. there was such a big celebration. The amount of number crunching that was going on behind the scenes, Diaz and I were digging into all the research trying to get an idea of like, are we are we on the bubble? Are we inside of it? Or are we just outside of it? You know, how will it go? Historically, the committee has always gone directly by the golf stat rankings. So we knew if we could figure out what those were, that we would have an idea if we were going to be last team in, first team out, or just how close it was going to be. So we were hmm. we were uh, we were staying up late. We were crunching numbers, and um, we thought that there was a good chance we were going to be last team in. But you just never know because the committee subjectively could say this team over this team, et cetera. So um, we were the last regional to be announced, and when we saw the Bulls come up on the screen, it was uh, it was pretty special. Palm Beach Garden says she said they were in the running until the last few holes of that one. We'll get more into this year's team in just a little bit. Now, people that don't know, you are a Floridian. You are from Lake Wales, and uh, you learn golf, or you learn to enjoy golf at a young age. Tell us sort of how that goes into a, another part of our props here that's a very important part. Yeah, um, I grew up in the firehouse, so my dad was a career firefighter, really looked up and, and wanted to emulate those guys. And um, from an incredibly young age, like I couldn't get enough of firehouse culture. And so when they would get off shift at 6.15 in the morning, they would go play nine holes at this local municipal course. And um, I got to tag along just because I wanted to soak it in. And, and the firehouse and the brotherhood in that culture is just something that you want to be a part of. There's a magnetism there. And so um, they let me tag along, uh, <laughs> which they didn't have to do, right? I'm six, seven years old, um, not, not overly glamorous, but um, they said, if you're going to be out here, you're going to be a part of us. And so there was a sense of belonging, even though obviously I'm not a firefighter. Uh, those guys never treated me less than. Um, it's, it's a tough culture. It's firm, um, but it's also filled with love. And so there was uh, plenty of, of firing shots across the bow, you know, and, and competitiveness, um, but really, the firehouse culture is is a lot of the leadership style that I deploy now. And September 11th has a lot of meaning to you, and I know that it's not just from your dad's profession, but just in general, how to, to cherish life and how to, to serve, right? It's big yeah. for you. That's that's really what it is. It's It's service leadership, and really great leaders are people that don't stand out in front and don't feel the need to grandstand. They're the people that can rally the group that they have and bring out the best in each one of them. And I think that's what, it's certainly what the FDNY did on 9-11. Those guys, that is the stuff of legend, what happened on that day. Um, and that, that really is the fire service in general. Those are guys that, I say it all the time, it's actually one of the most inclusive environments I've ever been in. And, and that's counterintuitive, you may not think that, but um, those guys are very different. There's not one type of person that becomes a firefighter, but those unique differences are celebrated, and when you put it together, it makes for a really, really awesome family atmosphere. I gotta say, it sounds like your approach to building a golf team because, you know, I'm gonna try and hold it together here, but I love a lot of the teams that I've been around, but even before this group, I can always remember your groups uh, just being very special, feeling a part of something, being very intelligent, very kind, and I, I don't think it's a coincidence. Yeah, it's the type of player we wanna recruit. So first and foremost, we want kind of gritty blue collar people. Um, golf, there's such a such a misnomer that it's this, you know, silver spoon country club environment. And sure, those people exist. But the ones that we're after are the ones that have that work ethic. And I think that that only is born through some adversity. And so we really like blue collar girls that are willing to get in there and get amongst it. And um, it works for us. It's <laughs> different, but it works. It really does. And you mentioned DS. Sometimes I'm the other DS, but DS is Dalton <laughs> Stevens. So you got here uh, right in December of 2017. Uh, and it's been so long that you guys been here. feels like you've been here forever. I think he's from Iowa. I'm not exactly yeah. sure how you found him. So you and he sort of coined this phrase, the uprising. Could you explain? And of course, we're still rising. Yeah, no doubt. We're not done yet. So um, the uprising is really just about launching a revolt against the status quo. And that's the only way that you can really get big results quickly. Um, and so DS and I are very much aligned. He came from a junior college background. I came from a division two background. 
So he and I are both blue collar, right. you know, gritty people. And so um, the uprising is really just about doing it in a way, like I said, that's different, but in a way that makes sense for us. And so it doesn't have to look, see or feel like any other team in the country. We know that the way that we're doing it is the right way for us. And we feel really confident about that. And you will go to the ends of the earth, apparently, because uh, during this last summer, you guys are texting me from Germany. Uh, it, you're always on the hunt for future bulls, no matter where you go? Yeah, no doubt. We, um, our, our recruiting ground is planet Earth. We haven't made it to <laughs> extraterrestrials just yet. But um, we don't really care where you come from. But certainly, there's, there's, um, there's a type of girl that, that sparks interest in us really quickly. And uh, it's, it's awesome, even with the, the two girls that have come in this year, just how quickly it's, to your point, it's like they've been here forever. It's really cool. And different types. Alyssa is a transfer, and Emma is from France. There you go, uh, second on the team. Now, as far as uh, hopefully you don't do this because it would automatically disqualify me from the team. I hinted at you being a puzzle solver. Do you make them? Do you test them on the Rubik's cube? Because, folks, first thing I noticed about her was a Rubik's cube on her desk. I, I'm, I'm sure you haven't tried this yet, but she could probably solve three at one time with her eyes closed juggling them. So uh, is that part of the deal? Yeah, they don't need to be able to solve a Rubik's Cube. But okay. I, honestly, I think it lends itself to authenticity. And so um, one way that I think I get miscategorized a lot is that um, I'm just the happy, dancey juju on that beat girl. And yes, that is a massive part of my personality. But I am actually introverted, which I think throws some people off. Um, voracious reader. Uh, write poetry, um, working on a book, like there's there's more than meets the eye. And so, um, no, they don't need to be able to solve a okay, Rubik's good. Cube, but they need to be authentic. And right. so whatever whatever it is that sets their soul on fire, they get to be that within our program. And when you let young people be who they are, that's where good things happen. She's also excellent at Wordle, by the way. I'm on the text chain with DS, Erica, and Lauren Heinle, former player. And uh, what was it the day? This is a little inside there. The day that you guys, and so we get sort of look at this year's team, first tournament of the year they win. I mean, they blew it out in the third round. I think it was a one-shot lead, ended up being 9-10. And the Wordle word that day was C-L-O-S-E. Close. Which is one of those, hear that, one <laughs> of those words that can be said, and it means two different things, two different ways. Close, like close, but we didn't quite do it. Close or close. And in my mind, you were thinking, the latter closed, and the other one wasn't even possible. First of all, good job with the Wordle. Secondly, that's what you guys were thinking, I'm sure. Yeah, um, it's really cool. So there was a weather delay that morning, and um, there was a chance, like, uh, the coaches were meeting. And so some of the other coaches were coming up to me, and they're like, you're probably the only coach that doesn't want to play today. Because had we gotten rained out, yeah. we retain the win, we get the win, et cetera. And I was like, oh, no, 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 the Bulls for sure want to play today. Um, and they're like, that's so bizarre that you would say that. Like, you've got the, you know, you've got the W locked up if, if you get the, the weather delay. But stroke differential matters. And so we know what mission we're on. We want to get to nationals. And we knew that we had a one-shot lead. But those girls, we weren't happy with a one-shot lead. Like, we wanted to extend that. And so we wanted to play. And credit to them. They dug their heels in and said, we're not going to let it in like this. And so um, extended that and got, got a better stroke differential result. She mentions that because we talked about crunching numbers before. It depends on how much you win by, who you beat, who, you, who jumps you. And at the second event, where, by the way, going into round three, the word on was Rocky. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> it, it didn't quite work out, but you were right there until the very end. And yeah. the teams that were ahead of you were all top 30 teams. So express the importance of, of getting yourselves into events where you're playing this kind of competition. Yeah, we're playing a much stronger few, uh, competition this year, and, and that also helps for the ranking and the algorithm. So um, trying to get into better events, and this was definitely that. This was a who's who of teams that people recognize from the Big Ten and things like that. So to be in contention that late in the tournament uh, bodes so well for our future. Um, it's not the final round that we wanted. We, we definitely left some out there. Um, but it wasn't from a lack of controlling the controllables. And so if we are doing those things and we're just not executing and we're having an off day, it's really difficult to be upset by that, right? right. And so they were controlling the controllables. Um, we ended up finishing fourth in a great field. We went into it ranked fourth. Um, so overall, a great event. But again, it leaves that fire and that hunger for what we want to do over in Tulsa. So we've explained some of the props on the set here. The logo 50 years, firefighter helmet, obviously, uh, there's the trophy from the first event of this year, 
Who's this guy over here? Well, that's Rocky. And um, Wordle's doing us well this year. Each, each tournament, we're coming up with good Wordle words. But um, this is something that's earned. It's not given. So it's a driver head cover. And the first time that they break par uh, out with the team, they earn their Rocky head cover. So it's just it's like kind of a fun little ride of passage. And you guys have a fun team. And before we finish up, sort of a little update on the, on the actual ladies. You, you said, what was the name of it? Juju on the beat? Yeah. So that's the thing. Introverted, okay. When you see her on the screen, uh, it happened for the first time last season. Uh, was that your first performance of this dance? First performance. That's painting with really broad strokes, if you call that performance. It was fantastic. But it was fun. It's fun. So, so, yeah. so this song, which is now, you know, when I hear the first beats, I think of Erica Brennan, and she just has this routine. How did you shape the routine? Did you make tweaks to it? Did you just say, no, I'm doing it on my own. I don't care if it's good or not, because it looked like a fully produced <laughs> dance. Um, so not, not for sure not my original choreography. It came from um, the illustrious background of TikTok. Mm. And so that are that is the official moves. And so if oh. you're going to do it, you know, if you're going to juju on the beat, you got to do it correctly. What I loved about it is when it happened, of course, the first game of the season, and, and I stopped everything I was doing in our, in our football because I knew it was about to happen. And I think the crowd picked up on it. Now I got to ask, are you working on anything else? Slash, there's this other thing where, you know, when people go to a concert, you know, they just want to hear the one big hit, so why would you change it up? Is there an approach for a new dance or no? Um, I think uh, I, I like making other people laugh. I like making sure that people know that, that they can be boldly brilliant and that <laughs> that comes from a place of authenticity. So real talk, if you point the camera to me and there's a, a dance, whatever music's on, I'm going to figure it out just because I like, I like bringing people joy. Oh, you really, really do. Let's, let's, we alluded to MG, Alyssa. And Emma, and we also, of course, have Leo, and rounding out the starting lineup uh, for you guys is Alexe. So, uh, pretty solid group. Uh, yeah. So, we're ha where are they in their in their games, and uh, what needs to be tuned up, if anything? Yeah, it's coming along great, and I like that um, the amount of diversity that we have within our programs. A lot of cultures represented, a lot of different backgrounds represented. Um, their games are pretty tidy right now. Their short games are really, really impressive. They are firing on all cylinders. Um, they're doing the right things to try to be the type of teammates that, that we all need and that we all deserve. And I, those things, it, it's crazy. There's no magic sauce, right? There's not anything. It's doing the, the simple, correct things day in and day out that produce the results, and they're doing that. Putting a wraps on this episode of Bullseye. Great to hear from all of our guests. Boy, you can tell the team is not going to, and I think it's important, BJ, to hear what Coach Golish had to say um, about you could react one of two ways. Either we're good or fix the holes. I'll admit it, like if there's a little problem with something at my house, I'm not gonna take the Coach Golish approach. So <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the head football coach, but that was great to hear. It was, it was. And it kind of a testament to what he's preaching to his team, you know, details and the little things can become big things. So, um, you know, I, I really respect what he's doing, what he's preaching. Um, and I love the fact that our players are re responding um, no matter what happens throughout the game. And then uh, also just a, a footnote, Coach Brennan is great, obviously. Next week we're going to have a guest from women's lacrosse. But just to catch you up, two weeks ago when Billy Mole, who was getting inducted into the Tulane Hall of Fame, said he was going to live it up with some char, um, I guess probably should talk about the Hall of Fame, but I'm talking <laughs> about the food, uh, the char-grilled oysters at Drago's. He did. He sent me a video. I'm jealous. But I have learned after the fact, and I was surprised because I know you would never eat elephant ears. <laughs> That you do not only like yeah. oysters, but you've had those same at that restaurant, right? I oh, absolutely wow. have, yeah. Uh, two years ago, we played at Tulane, uh, and Sam Barrington took me there. Uh, so I had, had a good time, you know, with the Parmesan cheese and the uh, spinach. Hey, yes. Um, so it was good. It was really good. Just not shrimp. No shrimp. No shrimp. No. Oh, that's right. My face that's will look right. like, like a Hitch, the movie Hitch with uh, Will Smith. He's not kidding, by the way. <laughs> and now I'm thankfully I've not seen it in person, but I've learned enough about you to know not to walk, you know, don't have any shrimp in your pocket oh, when you no. walk by B.J. Daniels. Uh, are you an oysters person, or is that, like, too, too off-putting for you? You know, I think I might have ventured into them once or twice. I don't really know if they're my thing. No? Um, but, I mean, I give, them a, I give them a go again, maybe. Well, but not my go-to. It's not the kryptonite for me like shrimp is for you, but oh, yeah. the one thing for me is beets. Like, don't even tell me, this beet salad is the best. No. The smell. I've never eaten beets. No. <laughs> See, I'm a fan. I like beets. I, but how, I order a beet salad. How would you? How would you have it? Just do it. A I certain like them way. in a salad. Just how they are. Mm -hmm. You eat beets how they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like pickled beet. Pickled beets are good. 
Oh, wow. No chance. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> a balsamic drizzle over it with paired with some cheese. Okay. If you yeah. Can whip that up for you me. Dress it up. <laughs> yeah. Make okay. it tasty. You, you made me think it's a possibility, but probably not. <laughs> hey, uh, real quick on the opponent this week, uh, UAB, you look at their record, you think, oh, and I know the Bulls don't think this, but uh, they've got a pretty good quarterback, Mr. Quarterback. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jaden is their quarterback. He's a junior. Um, he's 75% completion right now, which is fourth nationally in, in the country. So he gets the ball out quick. You know, um, he, he's a veteran guy. I mean, we've already all, also already played against a veteran quarterback in JT Daniels at, at Rice. But it'll be interesting to see how we kind of uh, attack what he's doing and try to and kind of manage and keep everything in front of us from a defensive perspective. And I'll be curious to see continue to see how the national reaction is. You know, <clears throat> excuse me, after the Alabama game, it was, oh, what's wrong with Alabama? Now you see this week, it's more like, you know, Alabama mm -hmm. survived that scare against that good USF team. It's like, you know, I think yeah, that the Bulls absolutely. are starting to get some attention. We're always bringing the attention to them right here on Bullseye. For BJ and Kaylee, I'm Derek Sharp. See you guys next week. Horns up.